everybody. Welcome to another episode of the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. We are one week away from the start of the high school football season. And uh, coming up a little bit later, I'll have a conversation with Skyline Chili Crosstown Showdown organizer Tom Gamble, talking about all his great matchups throughout the entire season. But first up, I uh, caught up with Dave Burke, longtime high school football analyst, talking about this season, college football recruiting, and what he's noticed over the years in many years of covering the game around the tri-state. But I want to remind everybody this High School Insider Podcast is presented by our local Chick-fil-A restaurants where the winning play is always chicken. Make sure you download the app today for easy ordering. And um, I started a conversation with Dave Burke saying, you know, you got a lot going on. You're making a podcast with uh, Bengals announcer Dave Lapham. you are always got a pulse on the college football recruiting scene. And uh, I asked him how his summer has been in preparing for this upcoming football season. Always great to see you. And how was your summer, first of all, before we get into the discussion about the high school football season? Too short, Mike. Too short. I mean, here, here we are when we're recording this. We're um, a little over 10, I think 12 days, something like that, away from high, the start of the actual season of Ohio high school football, the 18th or Thursday night. Usually maybe one or two games throughout the state. Several games uh, on this time this year. Um, and in the Cincinnati area, I think the big game on that Thursday night will be Huber Heights, Wayne traveling to Fairfield. Um, Rosie Mukes at Wayne uh, brings in a couple of top players with Padilla, Josh Padilla, the offensive lineman committed to Ohio State. Uh, he's got another offensive lineman who's committed to UC. Uh, and then he's got his own son, wide receiver, who's committed to Ball State. And then you always know Jason Krause is going to have some athletes, and, and, and he has some. And, and that should be a, a big, exciting game, especially in the Cincinnati area, that fir- very first night of the high school football season. First time those two teams have met since 2007. Then going to go over to Brown Basevich Stadium, Rock, Taft and Roger Bacon. I mean, um, those two teams obviously in the same division now this year, Dave. I mean, what are your impressions of uh, maybe Taft? I mean, they're just loaded with talent. Taft is loaded. I'm not surprised. Uh, because the one thing I will say that that's going on in Cincinnati and people better take notice, Cincinnati public schools have hired some great high school coaches and you just, you can go to Taft, you can go to Withrow, you can kind of go down the line. And these are guys who do a little extra. They work extra hard because they're working with inner city kids. So, but they've got some talent and you, especially when you look at Taft, um, the Rudolph kid who I've known about since he was two years ago. I, I saw him actually two or three years ago. I've heard about him. And then I saw him at the, uh, they did a, a spring workout a, a while back and he just stood out and I, I thought he was going to be a big time prospect. So not surprised there, but uh, Taff is a team to watch for sure. I think they had eight players get offered by Purdue uh, this past spring, which was which is quite interesting. But uh, I, I don't put too much into that, Mike. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's kind of go a little bit about that to the recruiting world before we kind of go into some teams to watch. Maybe you've done this for a long time. You've seen so many changes. You've seen. We all know what's going on in the landscape of college football right now. At least we think we do, because tomorrow no. it'll be something totally different. <laughs> but uh, what's kind of your impressions of? Uh, how are things are going still now? People keep talking about, you know, is the COVID uh, stuff done as far as, you know, the extra year and, and these high school kids are getting squeezed in many aspects. Um, what's your kind of take on this as you kind of look at 23 and beyond? Um, well, I think the biggest thing that's hurting high school football recruiting is not so much what happened with COVID. COVID happened. Uh, it did hurt kids not able to get out to camps uh, for a summer. 
especially those kids who are now, believe it or not, they have already graduated, the ones that affected the most. And so you had some kids who probably would have been recruited some other schools had they had the opportunity to get out there, but COVID canceled all the camps. Biggest thing is changing high school recruiting is the transfer portal and the ease of a player to be able to move from one team to another. And that's not anything bad against, you know, it's for the player, but it's gotten crazy. And you have some colleges not even recruiting high school kids, only recruiting from the portal. And while, you know, locally Cincinnati is going to benefit from having Corey Kiner uh, as a running back at the University of Cincinnati, instead of him being in LSU, uh, you've got, you know, it's, it's a mad exodus of all over. And I think you're going to still see that a lot of kids leaving, especially probably for another year or two because of COVID, because you have kids going into programs this year who didn't get as many, much time to spend to go out and visit a school and get to know the coaches and so forth. But the class that Corey Kiner came out of, that, that class was really hurt hard uh, because some kids committed to schools, signed with schools, never visited with schools. I had college coaches telling me, hey, I've never met the kid. I've never met his parents. I've never shook his hand. I've never looked him in the eye. And when that happens, uh, you and I both know, you get kids that get into a situation, they go, man, I, I, I'm homesick. I don't like it here. Uh, whatever the, you know, I'm too far down the depth chart, you know, whatever the case may be. And they have an easy exit now to go someplace else. And that affects all the way down to high school recruiting. And a lot of kids, you would sit there and say, okay, that kid's a Mac kid, minimum. He's, he's going to have at least some Mid-American Conference offers. May not get those now because the Mid-American Conference schools can go and look at kids leaving Power 5 schools or even bringing kids up from D2 who got overlooked because of what happened with COVID. So a lot of changes that way. But we get into offers. I mean, and this is nothing new. And you've I've had that conversation in the past. Offers don't mean squat until pen hits paper on National Signing Day. And, you know, kids all the time are learning that just because a coach comes in and a lot of times what I, I, I it's not against the college coach. It's not against the kid, especially a coach comes in and says, oh, yeah, he's got an offer and I'm not going to name schools. And um, so but at the same time, there's some schools that do it a lot. And there's a lot of schools who don't do that. And I respect those schools, you know, even more because they're being cautious in what they do recruiting. And we get into, when we look at some of the national recruiting stuff, if as a reporter, it came from that world. Um, you can only go off what a kid tells you or a high school coach tells you. And so you report it because that's what people want. So, but uh, it's, it's gotten crazy. Uh, if, if you have eight division one scholarship kids in your school and you don't win state, uh, there's a problem. Yeah. One other thing about recruiting here before we kind of get into some of these teams here. Do you see the signing day, the early signing period moving up at all? It's It's been a December here for a couple of years. And there's been some talk of August possibly. I know, you know, there's still the traditional February, but that's the regular period. Do you think this December is here to stay? Or do you think that you could see a possibility of it moving up sometime? The February signing day right now is almost non-existent. It's not what it used to be. That was the big day. Then the early signing period came in. I, I can see it being moved up because now you have kids being able to take visits earlier than normal. So right now, you've, if you went to Indium, 247, on three, rivals.com, and looked at their list of prospects and who's committed, they've not signed anything. 
And the, the problem you get into is when do you want to take that signature? Because I guarantee you, while there's kids committed to a school, you and I both know, we've seen it many times, at any given time, a college coach or staff can go, man, I didn't think we could recruit this kid in another state or in our backyard or whatever. And now he wants to come with us and we have him higher on our board than the kid committed. And they try to find a way out of it. So um, again, because of the transfer rules, you can sign them and let them go. Uh, but I mean, at the same time, I just, you know, uh, I don't know. Signing, signing days have almost become mute. Um, and it's more about, you know, I understand why colleges want to do it or like to do it because they don't have to, they can quit recruiting. They don't have to sit there and, and, and that's money. And if we, people really knew the money, you get into a power five program, the SEC that's spending a million, million and a half dollars a year in recruiting by itself. Um, that's a lot of money. And there's, that's where it disparages when you look at maybe a university of Cincinnati, they're not spending 1 million to a million five in recruiting, Neither is Miami, Ohio, or, you know, any of the other non-Power 5 schools. So, but you get into those power programs, you know, you can get into Tennessee or Texas or USC. They can spend big bucks because they have them. Well, let's talk about a, a program, a high school program that has a lot of recruiting attention as the defending Division II state champion, Winton Woods Warriors. Obviously, three uh, players who've already committed um, uh, defensive back Jermaine Matthews going to the Ohio State University, cornerback Cameron Calhoun going to UC, and also running back Trey Cornest, um, the transfer from Mount Healthy. He's uh, verbally committed to Georgia Tech. And Coach Chad Murphy has uh, talked to him this week. Uh, I know he's got a lot of talent, um, a lot of expectations there. They seem to embrace it. But uh, what are your thoughts about Wynton Woods? Very happy for Coach Murphy. One of the great guys that we had a chance to interact with. And uh, what he's done taking over that program and winning a state championship last year, you know, now all of a sudden you go from the hunter to the hunted. And uh, when you have kids and you have, like, just like I said, you have multiple kids committed to division one schools, each one of those kids, every time they take the field, the guy going against them, they're a major target because in their mind, Hey, if I can outplay you and you're committed to a school, then I'm going to get some looks from some schools so that's going to be a very interesting to see how they do, but they do have a lot of talent and would not surprise me if they make a strong run again in the playoffs and possibly get back to the championship round. And we could go to a lot of different teams here uh, around the divisions here, Dave, but uh, one team that's going to be in the spotlight and they've already been picked as preseason number one in division one is Lakota West and coach Tom Bolden. You know, he's, he's mentioned it a couple of times this summer about, I've seen interviews about, Hey, we've been in the regional final two straight years. You know, we're, knock we're down ready the wall. For the next step. Go ahead. Gotta knock down the wall. Yeah, exactly. This, you know, and again, he's and he knows how to do it. Uh, he proved that at Coleraine. And, you know, it's just a matter, everything should be in place. And uh that they should be the team in division one to really, really watch. Um I, if if you had to pick a favorite day in southwest Ohio for division one, that would be the team to really watch because they, they have it on both sides of the football. They have it on offense. Um, his son is the quarterback, getting Division One looks, uh, a couple offers out there. And then you get on the defensive side, always loaded. You always know Tom Bolden's going to play defense. So, um, and, you know, now with Mitchell being able to throw the ball a little more than what he's done in the past, 
that's something we never thought we'd talk about with a Tom Bolden team offense. And that, that could be a difference. But, I mean, they're going to have a target on their back, but they would be the team going in right now that you would have to say in the Cincinnati area, Division One, you really have to watch, probably followed by Moeller. And, um, they, you know, again, you, you get into Moeller's been down. You've kind of seen signs the last couple years. Mark Elder knows what he's doing. And uh, he, he was a guy coached at the college level as an assistant and also a head coach. He knows what he's doing. And uh, Moeller could be a team that kind of, I think, surprises a few people. But it's going to be interesting to see the GCL is always tough. We know that. Th- those teams just knock each other apart. But uh, St. X has a lot of questions going into it. Who's going to replace Brogan Mackay? Uh, then you, you get into Elder. Who's going to replace uh, Ben Hamilton and, and Ramsey? Sure. They're, they're, they're dynamic duo. Um, but we always know Steve Speck's going to have a team that can play defense. He, he has a couple pieces as offensive line. Rob Fogler, who's got several Division One offers, who's a legit 6'7", mm-hmm. uh, who I think you know, just is, is not going to play his best football until he's out of high school. And that's just one of those – Kids who in a program, you come up through the system and, and people may say, well, he hasn't really started whatever. I'm telling you, I've seen the kid in camp multiple times. The kid has talent. It's just a matter of him getting that opportunity to really put it together on the field. And sometimes you get a kid six foot seven. It comes a little bit later, putting it all together. And I think it's starting to really come together for him. And uh, they, they get into uh, – uh, you, you get into a couple more pieces on that offensive line. They have to really open up and because you, you're replacing two guys. When you look at Cam Collins, the Air Force, and Parker, the Duke, those are two big losses. So, But, you know, an elder, don't know what we're going to see. And we always know LaSalle usually has athletes, and they can always be dangerous. So that the GCL is always going to be tough and fun to watch. Uncharacteristic. Uh, St. X graduated 18 starters. From a year ago. So uh, usually, you know, the Bombers are right in the spotlight. They're going to be on ESPN week two. Uh, you know, people have a chance to see them against Loyola Academy out of Chicago. But uh, certainly um, Lakota West and Moeller seem to be garnering the early spotlight. Moeller's brutal schedule, I think ninth toughest in the country, according to Max Preps. They open up at yeah. Maslin. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. Just maybe a final thought, Dave, on uh, just the regular seasons. Now that the playoff structure structure has been in place here and especially in Division One. Region four, you have the 16 uh, qualifiers getting in. I mean, almost everybody. Yeah. I mean, how do you kind of, what kind of credence do you put in? I mean, these tough schedules you see from the GCL South and, and a couple other teams as well. But uh, is it, is it one of those things where, hey, it's just, you got to stay healthy at the end of the season? Obviously, you got to have the talent, but um, how much credence should we put in the regular season at this point? I've been following Division One football in Southwest Ohio since the late 90s. You go back to, I remember when they expanded it and the first time and people said, oh, no, this is terrible. This is terrible. Sometimes scheduling wise, teams wouldn't schedule games you really wanted to see because they couldn't take a loss early in the season because it would affect them getting into the playoffs. And if you go back when I started following Division One in Southwest Ohio in Region 4, was brutal because you would have a team from the Dayton area, say a Wayne, a Centerville. They just, they weren't ready to come in and play the Cincinnati teams. That all changed uh, in the late nineties. Jay Mitten took over at Wayne high school. He changed the way the Warriors did their schedule. And in 99, I happened to have a chance to watch that whole season. My 
youngest brother played on that team. Um, they came out they, in the playoffs. They had to beat Fairfield, X, and Elder. So that's you get through that now, and then, and then they got they they beat Kilbourne than Kilbourne, and they end up losing to Saint Ignatius. So you talk about a five game stretch there that was was tough, and that was the very first year where they had the expanded playoffs. Is it crazy that we have that many teams making it? Yeah, but at the same time, you you can have now have games. Coaches can schedule games and go, hey. We're going to test ourselves. If we lose it, it doesn't kill us. We're, we're, we're going to be able to be good enough to get into the playoffs. And so I think it allows for the regular season to be more productive and maybe a little bit more exciting for the fans. A little new wrinkle uh, you're seeing more and more now is, are these nine-game conference schedules and such like the ECC and the GMC, namely. I mean, what do you put into that? I mean, is that is that something you like or you'd rather see – I get kind of both – both perspectives, I guess, from coaches. Yeah. I, I, we, you know, it used to be the Crosstown put together some great games. Tom Gamble and his crew did a great job. It's changed. The whole format's changed. A lot of it was forced because of NCAA rules took away maybe facilities. Then you get into COVID and stuff like that. Nothing that Tom could control. And he adapted to what he could do. But, man, I, I miss being able to go to Nippert Stadium on the first week of the season and spend a Thursday night and watch a couple games and spend a Friday night and watch a couple games and watch four or five games on a Saturday. Uh, I miss those days. And uh, people may say, you're crazy, but you and I both know we, we were there. We covered those events and they were, they brought in a lot of talent. And uh, if people don't praise the, the, what Tom Gamble brought to the city of Cincinnati and Southwest Ohio, um, because we saw some great games we saw some great players, not just from Southwest Ohio, but from, you know, I remember Alex Boone coming down with Lakewood St. Ed, you know, who went on and played in the NFL. We saw the Braxton Millers coming down from Wayne playing against good competition. Uh, so we've seen, you know, some great players. So I, it's sad because we don't see as many of those games that, you know, maybe a team from a top, top team from another part of the country come into Cincinnati and play. Uh, or from another part of Ohio, but um, conferences got to do, especially with expense. You look at this year, the economy, fuel the way it, the way it is. Um, it's probably just the way it's going to be because you try to keep everything as close as possible and keep money within your conference and within your schools. And like you said, those were fun days because you knew that some of those guys were going to be playing on Sundays. So maybe one day that will return, but uh, Dave, where can people follow you throughout the season? And um uh, you know, how can they uh, learn a little bit more about what you do uh, when you cover these high school football games? Best place is Twitter at Dave underscore Burke, B-E-R-K is probably the best place to go. And then I, I got to give a shout out to my guy, Dave Lapham, hardest working man I know. Uh, I, I get I get the lucky part of getting to sit behind while he's doing all these great interviews on his In the Trenches with Dave Lapham video cast on YouTube and podcast. So uh, thanks to First Star Logistics. So that's uh, uh, I'm there sometimes on the live streams. I get to put my voice in, but uh, Dave Lappin, talk about a hardworking man. And one, he's a great guy. Uh, so to be able to spend time with him during the football season, I've learned a lot. This is a fun time. You get the best of both worlds, Dave. High oh. school game, you know, you get Fridays, you get the discussion during the week, you get to watch college and pro games on the weekend. The last few years, um, because of one guy, 
Joe Burrow. I, I, that has been fun to watch because people doubted Scott Reed, as you, you know, Scott, from uh, the, all the great photographers working. Him and I used to go to a bunch of games. And one of the games we went to was when Joe Burrow uh, was at Athens High School during the playoffs his junior year. And I came away and I told Scott, best high school quarterback I had evaluated. And I called one of my, at that time, at scout.com, which is now part of the whole 247 uh, situation there. But, I mean, I called one of the guys there and said, hey, he goes, what about Braxton Miller? And I said, Braxton, great athlete. But it was just something about Joe Burrow, and it's the it factor. And he has the it factor, and people see that now. But I I told people I saw it back then, and I wrote about it. And um, not to slight anybody I ever covered. I've I've had the pleasure of covering a lot of great high school players. And it's fun when I get to tell guys like you or Tony Tribble or my buddy Scott Reed or other people like, watch this guy. And you guys, you sure? You sure? And I'm like, yeah. And then I'll get the text message from you saying, you were right. Hey, uh, Marshall Lane can play football and uh, or, or somebody like that. But Joe Burrow, the watch what he's done, you know, not just at LSU winning the Heisman Trophy, um, but have a chance to see that that progression. And people go, oh, you saw that. No, no one ever can ever tell you that a kid's going to win a Heisman Trophy, is going to take a team to the Super Bowl, be the number one pick overall in a draft. No, but you see the talent and they have an opportunity and there's so much more that goes into it because opportunity, you, when you get that opportunity, so many other things to get your way. So do you stay healthy? Do you, know, do you do all the right things off the field? Uh, do you even get the opportunity to take the snaps on the field wherever you go? And I tell people all the time, Joe, kudos to Joe Burrow. He graduated Ohio State in three years, was able to, before the rule changes, was able to leave as a grad transfer and play two years at LSU. And that changed his life. No doubt about it. So, yeah. but to, to watch Joe Burrow take the Bengals, uh, and it, for me, it's fun because Joe Burrow is not the only kid I've had the chance to. I covered Kevin Huber, uh, you know, Drew Chrisman, him, those two are battling it out. Um, you, Marcus Bailey uh, was a kid that I, I was high on. Uh, was coming out. Sam Hubbard. I remember telling Sam Hubbard, interviewing him after a crosstown game they played at uh, Kings High School, and I said. You're a Division One prospect. He goes, no, I'm a, I'm, I'm a lacrosse player, man. I'm committed to Notre Dame to play lacrosse. I said, not anymore. <laughs> and I still have some of those interviews, uh, the video interviews. I you know, was able to do with those guys and, and, and to see guys like that. And I know I'm leaving a couple of guys out as well. T. Gary Scales is trying to make the Bengals right now. Another great kid. You hope those guys have success. And it's fun watching that. Uh, longtime Bengal fan. And uh, But, I mean, that's, you know, see how – that is gone. Uh, like I said, I had the pleasure last summer of going with Dave Lapham down to the stadium and spending over an hour with Mike Brown. And I think, you know, as a fan, I came away going very misunderstood. And uh, it was just a pleasure to get the, you know, the chance to be interact with him and see what he was really like and came away very impressed. And you, and you see the difference. I think people, the fans, it's not just Joe Burrow. It's it's everybody involved from management all the way down. Uh, Zach Taylor, when Zach Taylor was hired at UC by Tommy Tuberville, and I know UC fans hate me, you know, <laughs> but Tommy Tuberville, one of the conversations when he hired Zach Taylor was, he told me he was Dave. He goes, this guy is one of the top young, 
coaches in the game. Mm-hmm. It's proving out that he was right. No doubt. So, but sure. yeah, this is just the fun. We get to see this early part. We, we go through these names. Who in these names, you know, we've talked about and all the names we didn't talk about that are committed to Division One schools. Who's that next guy that becomes, you know, a David Montgomery? Eagle Scout. People probably don't even know exactly. that. Eagle Scout. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, great human being off the field. I mean, and you and I both had the chance to cover him when he was at Mount Healthy and, and watch that development, and, you know, and, and then – we were out. I know you were out this spring when the, the schools. One of the best things that has happened in Cincinnati and in the Dayton area. And um, Chris Gillum needs a lot of credit. Princeton High School put together. And Chris, he called me a few years ago and he said, hey, how can I get more college coaches here? And I said, hey, I go to Indianapolis once a year to cover an event where three schools get together and bring college coaches in. And, and they jump from school to school. And so he put that. He took that. He ran with it. And as you and I both know, there's about three days in um, May. I think it is, if I remember correctly. That's how quickly things go, where we get a chance to go in and and see these kids on the field uh, because Ohio doesn't have spring football. And these college coaches show up. I think there was one stop. I think it may have been at Witten Woods this year. And there were six guys that I had covered in high school football that are now college coaches and they, they, they know they got to come back to Southwest Ohio because they know the type of talent that's in this area. And you get into guys like Mike Daniels, who's at Georgia tech. Well, guess what? Go down that list of players. You're seeing some commitments to Georgia tech Uh, guys like Derek Keith, who, you know, LaSalle to Alabama. He's now coaching at Townsend, Larry black out of Wyoming who ended up, I've got stories on Larry Black. He used to call me, Mr. Burke, you said I was a D1 guy. No one's, I have no offers. And I was like, be patient, Larry, be patient. He went on to Indiana, had a great career. An injury sidelined maybe his potential to play in the NFL. He was with the Bengals, was making some noise. You know, that year the, they did the hard knocks. And then injury sidelined him, got in the world of coaching. And, you know, he's at Vanderbilt. And I, we could go on and on. Michael McCray's out of Trotwood and Roy Roundtree's out of Trotwood. And, you know, the different schools all across the country, East Coast, Midwest, wherever. They all come back to Southwest Ohio and recruit the region. And th- why? Because as you and I both know, there's a lot of top talent in Southwest Ohio. No doubt. It's big time. I didn't realize the college combine concept started with a conversation with you and Coach Gillum. So small world. Give kudos to Dave Burke for all his contributions uh, to high school football here. Chris, Chris Gillum took it. I just told him, I said, hey, I get to go over. And it was Pike High School. Um, it, oh, I'm trying to think of the Avon. And then it would end at Ben Davis in Indianapolis. Okay. And there would be 30, 40 college coaches. And as you know, and as you saw, uh, Witten Woods, a bunch of coaches at Witten Woods. Princeton, a lot of coaches at Princeton. And it's not, you know. Everything from, and it's not just Division One. We saw D2s, we saw D3s. They all came in there, NAIAs. And what does that mean? I don't care what happens. The college football, you, you know, name, image, likeness, all that stuff. Opportunity to take the game of football. What I always stress to every young man and every family, if you can take the game of football and trade it for educational dollars, it's a win-win. And uh, if, if you're thinking you're going to play it on Sundays, hey, great dream to have, great goal to have but the odds are against you of doing it. So 
that paper, they never take it away from you if you earn that degree. And that's that's the key to this whole thing. And, um, you know, we can get on a whole different subject of name, image, and likeness because watch out, it's coming to high school sports here pretty soon. If not, you know, I, I feel I have a feeling it's coming sooner than later. Yeah. Well, that'd be a whole nother discussion for our next uh, next topic. But Dave, thanks for as always for joining us here on the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. Great perspective. Can't wait to see you out there on a Friday night. Sounds good, Mike. Thank you. Well, obviously, Dave has a ton of great perspective about the high school football scene, and everybody's anticipating that first Friday night on the 19th, but certainly some intriguing matchups on Thursday, August 18th, when you talk about Taft and Roger Bacon with Row Walnut Hills and Fairfield hosting a very talented Huber Heights Wayne team. And uh, it's going to be certainly an interesting week one to start the season. I want to remind everybody this High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Chick-fil-A restaurants. Catering is Chick-fil-A's winning play of the game, perfect for your tailgate parties. Order today in the app. Well, this year is the 25th anniversary of the Skyline Chili Crosstown Showdown, and no better person to talk to than longtime event organizer Tom Gamble. Tom, who's also the GCL South Commissioner, had some interesting perspective about the matchups this year and some of the games that he's put together over many, many years. All right, Tom, obviously uh, 25 years of the Skyline Chili Crosstown Showdown, and uh, you just announced the schedule late last week, and... Uh, Tell us uh, your impressions. I guess we can go into all the history and, and all the matchups this year, but um, at its core, what are you most proud of of the event when you announced it this this uh, uh, this past week? That's a good question, Mike. Uh, I, I think, honestly, a lot. I mean, just the 25 years. I, I mean, you, you think about in, in anything, any aspect of life, not, not just sports events, um, how many things last 10 years? 15 years, 20, let alone 25. So not just last, but I think thrive. I mean, it's still, you know, there's still an appetite. You know, we had our showdown VIP party, which we annually do to kick off the event uh, last week at the uh, fourth and Sycamore Skyline Chili, one of the largest attended gatherings that we've had for this. And, and it's a, it's just a fun, casual, informal night, but I think it's, it shows that the coaches and the athletic administrators appreciate the fact that this event's been around highlighting what great high school football we have in this region. So I think that, I think the fact that we've, you know, we've, despite, you know, obstacles with the NCAA rules preventing us as a third party from hosting it at a BCS, you know, institution, which is, you know, Nippert Stadium on UC's campus was our hub for everything. And we pivoted from that. Oh, I hate to use that word. My bad. And we changed things, um, you know, and and it's still, you know, now it's all season long and we are able to accentuate really cool marquee rivalries, et cetera. Um, So that, but I'll be honest with you. The biggest thing, Mike, for me is the fact that in 25 years, I've never not had a game for a team because people need to realize back in the early days, back in the first 15 to 18 years, Schools were confident in me. They would just leave their date open, like week one, week two open, and, and with, with the you know thoughts that I would find an opponent. Um, there were a couple times I came close to not hit. I, I would have felt awful. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have been my fault necessarily because somebody that I thought I had, you know, kind of reeled in to play them, I had a couple people, you know, say, oh, no, we're not going to play. We're not willing to do that, whatever. So the fact that we never went without a school having a game that, that didn't take place, I think I'm, I'm proud of that too. I really am. And just the fact that we've we've kept this thing rolling, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, 
we've kept the same sponsors. You know, we've kept the the multitude of schools, all that. All that stuff makes you feel good. What kind of feedback do you hear from the coaches even now uh, after maybe some of the longtime coaches like Doug Ramsey, Steve Speck, yeah. Tom Bolden? Well, I, I think what it is, Mike, is that they know, you know, it's kind of like the showdown. If you were in the Skyline Chili Crosstown showdown, you had a program worthy for lack of a better way to say it. You know, and I know there were some years when fans got all worked up. One year we had 27 games, okay? And, and let me let me say this. What the hell was I thinking? And that was in like a two-week period. Right. But, you know, Mike, I think that's what it is. I think it was. it's almost like a right of, of late summer, early fall, and, and, and you knew if you were in the showdown that, that you, in theory, were going to be a pretty good football program, have a good team. But, you know, and, and we had some swings and misses. I mean, everything, everybody does. But, but I think, you know, I think that the, the key to that is, you know, people like, you know, we, we did it with just big schools initially. And people said, what about small schools? And they're right. They're a really good small school football program. So we then brought in small schools. Then it was just, it was first Cincinnati. Then it was, you know, Dayton. Then some Columbus. Then Northern Kentucky. Then Southeast Indiana. You know, we the bottom line is everybody out there wants to be a part of something like this. Just because it's, it's I mean, let's be honest, it's kind of fun, kind of cool. I used to pitch teams this. I used to say, if you don't make the playoffs – at least by playing in the Skyland Chili Crosstown Showdown, you'll feel like you've had a playoff atmosphere. It'll give you that kind of feel. And that's and that's essentially what we always try to do. And I and I feel really good that we did that. What was the most difficult matchup you ever had to organize? <laughs> I mean, hell, you don't have enough time for those. You know, it was my the biggest challenge. Well, I can tell you, the uh the one that, that that almost came without a game was Elder, and man, this is way, 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 way back. I had, I want to say it was Canton McKinley scheduled to come down and play Elder, and and it, and it looked like you know trying to get the contract. And, and believe me, until you have a signed contract, it I, you know AD. Oh yeah, and, and I, that was one of my favorite. The AD would be, oh man, we'd love to come down and play in that. And then I just got to check with my coach. Mm-hmm. Yep, sure you do. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden, silence. And you knew what that meant. But there was one year, and, and Cuyahoga Falls Walsh Jesuit filled that spot. Because I'm telling you, I was scouring. And, and it wasn't as, you know, from a technological aspect, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it wasn't like today, right? Where you could much easier find – teams with openings, et cetera. So that was probably, but I mean, Mike, honest to God, back in the early days, you know, I'd line up like five or six teams and know that they were just going to be brutal to find opponents for. And it was funny. I remember, I want to say it was Scott Kaufman when he was at Princeton. And, you know, Princeton, let's be honest, back in the 70s and 80s, they were, it was Princeton and Bowler. Sure. I mean, they were the juggernauts, right? And Princeton had some times where they, not that they were not very good, but they weren't, at that same status. And he used to tell me, he goes, Tom, I can't get anybody to play us because they still think we're those teams. You know what I mean? And once you get a reputation, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can, you can tell people, you know, and I love that. Well, you know, we're not going to be as good. You know, we lost this people coaches know. And you know, Mike, and, and I, and I can say this confidently. I don't hesitate to say this. Coaches preach to their kids. What? Oh man, you got. If you want to be the best, you got to play the best. You got to work harder. You can't be afraid of anybody. Really? 
Some of them needed to stand in front of a mirror because there were some brutal decisions by coaches who, and, and one of the lines I used to always say is, have you asked your kids? Have you gone and really said to your kids, we have this option or that option? And, and you know what? Kids want to play the best. They do. They now no look, I was, and here's the other piece I used to tell coaches like, dude, this is not an automatic victory. This is designed to showcase great high school football. And a great high school football is a game that comes down to the last possession. It's not 55 to three. Right. You know, like coaches would bring me opponents. I'm like, you're not serious, right? You, you want to play them in the showdown at Nipper? Really? I mean, no. So that the scheduling aspect of this was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. But it was fun. I'm a masochist, Mike. I have to be. And I used to, I like that challenge. I mean, I really did. That was the one thing, you know, taking those, I can remember having the big whiteboard and all the arrows and the lines and stuff. And there is a part of that if, you, if you're in events and you, you enjoy that kind of stuff. I tried to do that. You know what I mean? It was fun. So in a weird way, maybe. What's the, the rationale that you've been told? from the NCAA about why Nipper can't be used. You know? Well, it started with, I mean, you know, people need to read, it started with the, a, it started with AAU basketball. And, and the rationale is this. In theory, the NCAA believe now, and let's, let's, let's preface this by with the NIL, really, you're still going to levy this. I mean, are, are you joking right. NCAA? But nonetheless, the rationale would be, that if I, third party, i.e. promoter of the event, organizer, owner, creator, whatever you want to call me, um, and those are nice words compared to some, but, I, you know, in theory, a college coach with the event being on his campus, and this happened in AAU basketball, could come to me and say, hey, we're looking at this kid at this school, that kid at that school, and in theory, if I was, you know, a fan, somebody who wanted to help, well, what could I do? bring those teams in so those kids could get the experience of playing at that campus. That's the issue. That happened in AAU. So in, in, in essence, what they perceive that to be is an unfair recruiting advantage. That it's, I don't think it's anything more than that. I really don't. That'll be interesting because I'm going to go back to the NCAA now with the NIL. I mean, come on, right? I was just going to ask you, when's the last time you asked them? Um, well, I t- what I typically do is I'll start with UC's compliance yeah. office and I'll let them, because they're the ones that, you know, because the one thing, the last thing I ever wanted to do with this event is get anybody in any kind of trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, as you well know, Mike, we, we, I've always tried to do things the right way. Sure. And that's the one thing, but I think it's time to ask again. I do. Um, I gotta be honest with you though. I kind of like, I kind of like the, over the entire season and having a big game on a Friday night on a, on a high school campus. It's kind of cool. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love the nipper. And now the funny part was, if you think about this, when we had the games at nipper, it wasn't quote unquote, so cool to play football at UC. Now it is. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, so, so I think that can be kind of fun too. So, you know, I, I'm going to revisit that because I think I owe it. And, and if I could do that again and stage that down there, I think it'd be well worth it. We could talk about every one of these weeks and I know I want to take up a ton of your time, but what excites you most about, especially those early games. So those two Thursday night games, well, I mean, I think, matchup. yeah, there's a lot of cool matchups. I mean, and it's, and you know, I've got some like classic, you know, Moeller St. X, Elder LaSalle, Corian Princeton, Lakota East, Lakota West, Anderson Turpin. But, you know, the Huber Heights, Wayne, Fairfield, and now you're down to the GMC with the one, 
you know, non-league week, which is this one. And that's a, a kind of Thursday night lights, if you will. So I think it's Wayne's been a perennial really good. And that's the thing we tried to do this year. Try to get some hot matchups for now, but also reward some teams that have been in this thing a long time. Wayne's been a kind of a constant from the greater Dayton area. Fairfield should be pretty good. That's a good matchup. Roger Bacon and Taft. I mean, Bacon's had a great couple years and, and, and Taft's a strong, strong program. So that'll be cool Thursday nights. And then that East Central Orangeburg, I love that Southeastern Indiana. I mean, those are the two, let's be honest, those teams, those are two of the better teams in the state in their respective classes every year. And that's a great, you know, one of the best games we ever had. I won't, I won't remember the exact score. A few years back, it was like 15-13 at Lawrenceburg. And just a great, you know, just mm-hmm. that's just a great rival game. I mean, it really, and, and then we got like a Clinton Massey against Western Brown. I mean, you know, you got defending state champ, Clinton Massey, perennial great program, Drew Novak, you know, led the nation in passing. So that's a, that's a cool matchup. We had three defending state champs with Beachwood in Northern Kentucky, Winton Woods and Clinton Massey. So we try to get the best, you know, and, and just tr- and try to mix it up. Try to have, you know, we've always tried to have some small, we've got three Northern Kentucky games, one Southeast Indiana, two Dayton schools, Alter coming down to play McNick. So I think we've got some really good games. How many more years will the showdown go? <laughs> That's a great question. I, you know, but Mike, I think it's uh, people still like it. I mean, people like, let's be honest, people love high school football. They love their community. They love the Friday nights or a big kickoff, <coughs> excuse me, splash kind of deal. I mean, I don't know as long as they want it. I mean, Skyline Chili has been an awesome spot. You got to have sponsors. I mean, you know, people always all the shill for the spot, but you have to. And when you think of the essence of the Skyline brand, I mean, it's Friday night, right? Community. Want to go down Skyline, grab a three-way and some conies? Sure. And we've had Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, Meyer. You don't have those sponsors. You don't have an event because they make it possible for us to do all the stuff we do. And, and we've really done a lot of digital, and we'll go that way again this year. I mean, a lot of and, – and you know, Mike, I mean, that's your world now. I mean, you know, um, you and I are old-school journalists, man, but we, who've, who've become – I know especially you, you do a hell of a job with it. You're a new school now because you have to be. Sure. That's what people want. And um, we'll do daily features on our Twitter at X-Town Showdown. We have to. I mean, we want to keep people engaged and look back at some of the memories. And we'll be looking at some of those games, you know, that over the years um, were some of the great ones. And people ask me all the time, you know, do you have a – we've got – there's probably 15 to 20 games that are the most memorable. Um, there are some great ones. and some great – I mean, look at the players who play in this thing. It's ridiculous how talented and how many guys are active in the NFL today and have been in the NFL, the Luke Keekleys of the world. And people don't really, Kyle Schwarber, he's swatting home runs now for Philly, but he was a hell of a linebacker at Middletown, maybe a better, maybe a better football player, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Kennard, you know, was quarterback at Franklin NBA played at Duke. I mean, so, you know, there's a lot of great alums. So we'll be taking a look at those kind of then and now, Showdown alums as well. What year did you know you had something really good? What, what was there a certain showdown I, that you? Said, I want to. This is going to go twenty five years plus. Well, I don't think I. I don't think I ever looked that way, but I, I think probably in like years three to five, when we had those, 
And, you know, that it was tough getting those matches. When you remember some of those great, like, you know, when Kerry Combs was at Coleraine and some of those Coleraine Elder and Coleraine St. X and some of those, you know, Molar Prince, then we got that back. I, I would say three to five. Well, and even year two when we got that Thursday night game between Edgewood and Kings and started to do some different things. Um you know, it was, but you never, you never know. Cause you, you know, I had to get coaches to say yes to games sometimes, you know, and I had to look a coach in the eye knowing that that coach would be like, boy, this is going to be a tough one to win. So they had to be willing to play. But, you know, I remember Vince Suriano, the time that Anderson countdown to Moeller and he wanted it a year plus out and he, and they beat Moeller that year down at Nippert. So, I mean, it was, you know, my line to coaches, well, you know, if we lose this game, I used to say, well, yeah, but hang on a minute. What if you win? You know, and that was, and let's be honest in today's playoff format, I think with, you know, pretty much everybody gets in, I think they'd be a lot more inclined to take those matchups. You know, we're talking about a day when four teams made it, then it got to be eight, you know, then we got the, uh, you know, the watering down of everything, but that's, you know, that made it a little more difficult. It was kind of funny when people most, mostly thought scheduling when it went from four to eight, well, it'll be easier now, more make it actually made it harder. Because, as you well know, coaches, and you know, especially those who are good at math, <laughs> they would take that schedule and they would figure out, we got to win this amount of games and we're in. Sure. So it actually made it more difficult because if you were a six through eight and you you didn't want to you didn't want to mess up that six through eight by taking a risk. If you knew you had to be top four, maybe you had to play somebody a little better and beat them. So it's it's always been, as you well know, the the, the computer ratings in Ohio, I like them. I don't have an issue. I mean, I, I you ought to be good enough to make the postseason. I used to tell these coaches, look, man, if you don't beat them, you shouldn't go into playoffs anyway. But then I get it. I'm not a coach. And, you know, when, when your job depends on wins and experience and, you know, all that, I, I understand all that. What are you looking forward to the most in the GCL South this school year? I think it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, I, I really do. Um, I think Moeller returns, you know, Moeller's got a lot of talent coming back. They had a lot of young kids last year, made a good run of the postseason. Um, you know, you hear people say St. X is down and this, and, and, and I mean, time will tell. I mean, because they all play difficult schedules. They lost a lot. They lost a lot of front-line guys, but so did Elder and so did LaSalle. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's the, the competition, Mike, in this league is, is just always so good. I mean, it really is, you know. So even on a year when somebody maybe isn't as good as they've been on a given Friday, and I hate that, you know, it's the oldest cliche in the world, but it's true. In the GCL South, it's true. It really is. How has your commissioner job changed? Or does it stay the same every year? Uh, I mean, it's changed a little bit. I mean, it's, you know, I just try to be as supportive of these four schools as I can be. And uh, I've got a great group of athletic directors now. And there's been a little transition going on at Bowler. But, you know, we just try to, to make sure that, you know, that the school – and I think the biggest thing about the GCL South is it's it's hard to not talk football. But this is a great league in everything. Sure. <clears throat> you know, excuse me, you look at volleyball in the spring, you look at lacrosse, you look at soccer – the last few years, I mean, it's it's really, really good. So I think that's, you know, I think that's the thing that, and obviously cross country and track and field and golf. I mean, it's that's the thing about the G. It's easy to focus on football in the fall and basketball in the winter, but it's a good league, top to bottom in all the sports. How can people follow the coverage of uh, the Crosstown Showdown? 
Twitter, at X-Town Showdown. We'll have uh, daily updates starting Monday and uh, hopefully some cool stuff on there, some interviews, some videos. And, and you know, Twitter, I'm, I'm learning things every day, Mike. <laughs> or people are telling me things every day. <laughs> but it's at X-Town Showdown. Like, follow, and, you know, tell a friend. I mean, it's – and, you know, you know Mike, it's it, – I mean, it is kind of an inter- – the digital world is interesting. I mean, it really and truly is. Um, and the digital world gives a voice to many who shouldn't have one. And you know that too. Oh yes. Right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, read the comments all the time. Just got to move on. Don't read the timeline. And I would tell Fred in his basement, you know, writing the comments, (laughs) get a life, get out. (laughs) It's so brutal. I just wait. I, you know, and you you got to love that, too. If you rank teams like you do or you do anything like that, it's just – so I'll give you a quick funny story. Um, somebody posted a uh, – one of your competitors, I won't mention their name out of respect, posted a, a, a top 25 players. No, mine was you. It was you. Top 25 players? I did a 20th anniversary team. Five Didn't you do one recently, though? No, it wasn't. Didn't me. you – are you sure? Yeah, I, I haven't done lists in a while. Somebody did one. Okay. And naturally, naturally, it's how can you not have on this? And sure. what if did you forget about? And you know what? There are so many good players. So you know that. Right. And there's no way because there isn't real compare. That's right. You did the 20, you did the 20 anniversary. And you're you you can't how do you compare? You know what I mean. Right. You can't compare. As you put that out, there's another player that emerges, and it's already old. Now, now this is before the showdown, but you can't compare Mark Edwards and Carlos Snow and, you know, Jeremy Larkin. You can't. They play different eras, different teams. I mean, it's so – but you know what? I think you'll agree with me, though. As much as sometimes we see those comments and go, oh, man, it is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, And think of it like this, Mike. We'd be unemployed. Right. If people weren't interested. Shows they care. Right. Yeah. So it does. It's kind of like coaching. When you're out of school where, where, where no one cares, do you really want to coach? So while you get a lot of hell at, at places where they care, some of it just people are just idiots, right? You just got to learn some of those people. You just got to not pay attention to them. But, uh, you know, my youngest son plays football, and there's a reason why I stand by myself at games. <laughs> Skyline Chili Crosstown Showdown <laughs> organizer Tom Gamble. Tom, always appreciate the perspective. Thanks for joining me here on the. Mike, day. you got it. Any, I'll be looking forward to your uh, your coverage, and I'm 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 still waiting, Mike. Still waiting for some of those sandwiches to arrive in the mail. So I'll, <laughs> I'll check my mailbox. Very tomorrow. good. Appreciate Thank it, man. You. Well, as Tom just mentioned, there it's it's very difficult to compare eras when you talk about 25 years of a high school football event. Uh, the debate will continue about this year's players compared to when he first started the event back in the late 1990s. But I appreciate Tom Gamble and Dave Burke for their, all their perspective here about the high school football scene. We're going to have all the coverage for you uh, starting next week. Uh, we have a couple of Thursday night games, as I mentioned, and then everything gets going on Friday, August 19th. We'll have the Friday night frenzy as well. You want to make sure you stay tuned to WCPO 9 Sports and WCPO.com for all of your coverage as the high school football season starts. Next week, we're going to have a conversation with Mark Porter, the director of ScoutingOhio.com. He's also Bucknuts recruiting analyst. He's going to talk a little bit more about college football recruiting around the state of Ohio. 712 schools prepare for the Ohio high school football season. Thanks again for listening and watching. We'll talk to you next week.